Welcome to Healing City Podcast. My name is Eric Siepen. The following podcast is a replaying of the Village Church's sermon series on relationship. Here we are. We're on this balance beam. We're supposedly, we got this mission. We're supposed to love other people. We're showing God and we're showing each other God's love. We believe everything is good. Now, here, here's the problem. We live in a really not great world, and we're very broken, right? And in, in Romans, it tells us that we've all fallen short of the glory of God. Well, God is a relational God. You know what God's glory is? His relationship with himself. Like, we have a ton of broken relationships. We've fallen short. So when we're up here thinking, oh, yeah, okay, God, God loves me. God, God I'm, I have good things to offer. That's being vulnerable, right? That's being vulnerable. And when you're vulnerable, you will get rejected and you will get hurt. And so you fall off of the balance beam. And you fall off one of two ways. You either fall off on one side of the balance beam, which is basically you fall off and you're like, oh, it's just me and God. I'm fine. Everything's fine. All I need is Jesus. Jesus is everything, right? And so what happens when we fall off there, like, okay, it's not working being vulnerable, so I'm just going to kind of, I'm just me and Jesus. We're good. Is that we begin to be judgmental. We begin to kind of move into a more performance-oriented way of living where we're like, okay, I'm just going to make sure that you really appreciate me. I'm going to work really hard and be Jesus to you. On the other side, we fall off of is a lot of times we feel rejected, and when we feel rejected, we feel like there's just a lot of shame. We feel shame that we failed. We can't get it right, so we pour a lot of contempt on ourselves, and then we pour contempt on the other person, right? Now, it's so easy to fall off the balance beam, right? All your, all your husband or wife or friend has to do is make some offhand comment. It doesn't take a lot for you to all of a sudden be stabbed through the heart, right? So easy. You can walk into church super happy, and somebody can unintentionally stab you in the heart. And off you go down here, right? Off you go down here. So what I want to give you tonight is just three ways that you can begin the process of getting back up here. Because here's, here's the thing that I believe, that when you and I in our marriages, relationships, and church are in a place where we can hold on to the fact that we believe God loves us and that we have something really good to offer, you will experience something very divine. And if your spouse or friends are in that same process, it's even more divine. You will taste something very deep of God. But a lot of staying on the balance beam is understanding how to get back up there over and over again. How to begin to develop your belief. How to begin to develop your belief. So, um, but, but before we get there, because I don't use any notes, I'm going to pause and go backwards because I want to tell you a story that I was supposed to introduce things with. <laughs> So, but because I think it's an important story because it'll let you in a little bit into my life. But when we were talking about that process of me, of people saying, okay, I want you to tell me I'm loved and I'm important. Um, and we begin to build up layers and that idea 
of having other people be the source of our love and significance. I just wanted to give you an illustration from my own life to show you just how easy this is to happen and how it develops and, and kind of undoing these things take a lot of work and a lot of time and community together. So when Rod and I were planting the village, we had a lot of conversations about could we do this together? Could we work together? Over maybe a six-month period, we had these conversations at the Good Egg, which is no longer the Good Egg. Um, but we used to visit there a lot because Rod had an office there. And so we would talk. And, and over that six months, the thing that I would continually repeat to him was, I will only do this with you if you are not my mentor. I will only do this if you're not my mentor. I do not want you to mentor me. Just because you're older than me doesn't mean you can mentor me. Okay? So I was stepping into the relationship already going, uh, I'm not going to let you in. But there was a reason for that. You see, prior to that, there were two pastors who I had invested a lot of my life in, who I was really vulnerable with, and who I was mentored by and cared for. And would give my, you know, if they moved to another state, I would probably would have considered moving to another state. But each one of them, in very significant ways, rejected me. Both of them left to go other, to do other things and never even told me they were thinking about it. So one day we were doing a whole bunch of ministry together and working in a church, and the next day they were planting a church and I wasn't part. The other one was I got invited into a church Got invited into leadership in it, was moving along in it. I was being mentored by this pastor. I loved him. He was taking care of my family. I mean, he was just such a wonderful guy. And literally weeks later, he said, oh, I'm not cut out for ministry. I'm leaving, right? And so I had this like sense that there is something wrong with me, one. And two, if I'm vulnerable with people who are older pastors, they're just going to hurt me, right? So... Part of my strategy to not get hurt in my relationship with Rod was to come into the relationship and say, you're not going to mentor me. Let's just get that out there. We're not going to. So what does that do? That means that now, anytime he tries to mentor me, I'm going to be like, no, 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 we have an agreement. You're not mentoring me. And so then there's no intimacy. And, and I, now I'm trying to figure out how I can get like him to tell me he loves me but you know but he but I I'm not gonna be vulnerable to him so there can't be any intimacy you see this it gets messy right? now we've worked through a lot of that so much so that now Rod tells that story completely opposite and says that I showed up and said oh I need you to mentor me because he know it pokes me right we're, we're in a different place and and I've kind of repented of those things um I'm still actually repenting though I'll be honest um but a lot of, so if we walk into relationship in the way we're supposed to, where we're holding on to what God has offered us in love and impact, we are going to get rejected because what we're really saying is that you and I need to be vulnerable in all of our relationships. We need to offer what Jesus calls us to offer, right? Because Jesus says, it says that Jesus died for us and laid his life down, and now we're to lay our lives down. So that's, that's the key to, to having a successful marriage and relationship, is this servanthood. But it's so easy to get rejected, so easy to be hurt when you're vulnerable. So how do you get back up on that? How do you step in 
when, hey, you're not guaranteed that your spouse or friend's going to offer you anything good. How do you get back up there and offer Jesus? Well, there's three ways. And I just want to walk through those really quickly. And then we're going to have Michael and Ashley come and talk about some of it. But number one, you have to be willing to tell God how you feel. Okay? Which is not a normal thing. A lot of us see God as Father, and He, and we haven't had, well, none of us have had perfect fathers, and we've, we've, we know that our dads don't always pay attention to us, and they shake up their heads up and down, but they're not hearing. Um, and sometimes, uh, we've had even harsher fathers. And so, having that father image is difficult. But the invitation, um, is to come and tell the God of the universe how we feel. Now, let me just offer you Hebrews 4:14 4, and following, when he talks about this, about Jesus and, and the, the throne room of God. So then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weakness, for he faced all of the same testing we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God, there we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. So there's a couple of ways you can do that. Number one, if you're a journaler, then you should have a this is how I feel God journal. Just write it down. Write and write and write. But some of you are like me and you don't write. You hate writing. Writing should be outlawed. Right? If you're like that, then I would suggest that you go to a place where nobody is and you talk out loud and you yell and you scream and you tell God everything that you feel and you tell them how your friend and your church and your spouse has hurt you and how you've been disappointed and you just lay it all out there. No holds barred. You just let it out there. Others of you sound like, now that's crazy. I don't write. I don't scream. Those are not part of my personality. That seems crazy. Um, Maybe you just need to sit quietly and tell God in your head, this is where I'm at, God. Some of you are just very internal, contemplative people. It's okay to just talk to God that way. But some of you just need to get it out because you're out loud processors and you need somebody with you. So I would say go find a silent listener. Find somebody and say, hey, you know what? I'm really struggling in my relationship, whatever relationship it is, would you just sit with me while I tell God how I feel? I just need you to listen. Those are, those are four ways, but you have to start by getting it out there and being honest about how the rejection felt in your marriage, in your relationships, in the communities that you've been in. Now, number two, in getting yourself back into a place where you can hold on to the love of Jesus and understand that you have this design to have impact, is that you have to start replaying or rewriting or recreating new tapes in your brain. All of us have these tapes that we play that are destructive, and we play them over and over again. Um, let, let me give you an example. I have a friend um, who recently, or, or actually a few years ago, adopted two young boys from Africa. Now, at first, he didn't want to adopt them, but his wife really, really wanted to adopt them. So she really just kept kind of putting on the pressure, I really want to do this. And so he, he caved, and he felt like God was telling him to do it. So he did it. 
Well, it's been super, super hard. So hard for them that they don't, the boys don't live in their home anymore. And they live in two different places in the country and, and because these kids had really hard lives. So the tape that this guy often plays, and, and all of us might, might play this tape, which is, oh my gosh, my wife, she like talked me into doing something stupid and I'm weak, and I never stand up to her, and I never tell her, and, and he, you can figure out all the other tapes. Any time that, that there's conflict, any time where there's stress in this relationship, these tapes start playing. It's all about her. It's about his own stupidity. It's about how he messed up. It's about how he can't get it right. right? We all have these tapes. As soon as we experience rejection, we start playing the tape. After you've shared how you feel with God, you really have to begin to re-narrate and play new tapes. But it's intentional. So for this guy, his tape that he needed to play was, God laid on my wife's heart these two young boys and pushed on her. Now, yeah, sometimes we have some decision-making issues we should work out in our relationship. But God loved these two boys, and he wanted me to step in because I have the financial needs to do it. And I saved them through God. God used me to save them out of off the streets and out of the sex trade and in to these two homes where they're getting tons of counseling and care and love. And so what happens is a lot of times the tapes that you and I play are selfish tapes. When we get hurt, we begin to play a self-centered tape. The only way that you and I are going to be able to step back up onto the, the balance beam is to begin to re-narrate, to actually narrate what's true. It's not a tape of denial, but it's a tape that God is involved. And how is God involved? We always tell our stories with us in the center. We play the conversations with us in the center. We have to play tapes and practice playing tapes in our head with God being the center, narrating God and what he's doing, because he's doing stuff, Right? You have to play those tapes. Now, but that doesn't get us back up on this balance beam because those things are really scary, doing all those things. But we still, when we get back up on the balance beam, we have a chance to get hurt again, right? It's us being vulnerable again. So even though we're playing different tapes and even though we are in a place where we have kind of expressed how we feel to God, we have to get up there and offer ourselves to our friends and to our spouse into our community. So it's actually kind of like jumping off a cliff, right? Because if I stay here and I don't step back into my in relationship with the people who hurt me, then I'm pretty safe. I might be numb. I might be playing bad tapes, but I'm pretty safe. And when I look over the cliff, what I see are lots of spikes with red stuff on them because all of the other people who seem to have jumped off and gotten rejected, right? Like, that there's a sense that if we jump, we'll die. But here's the thing. Part of telling God how you feel and part of playing new tapes is really tying a rope around your waist, a rope that's attached to God, and it's God's love, right? So that when you jump and you step back into being vulnerable and offering yourself, you're going to go into free fall. And at some point, when you're up there, the, the line's going to snap tight. 
And at the moment when you stand up here and you're vulnerable and that line snaps tight, you will have a divine experience of God that I can't just explain to you. You have to do it. But being vulnerable is like stepping into free fall. Now before I have Ashley and Michael come up, I was kind of having this conversation with my daughter about this. And she was talking about a friend that she has that she really likes at school. But they never seem to connect, and there's just a lot of misunderstanding that goes on between them. And I said, well, you know, the one time I noticed when you guys were over, you both were doing different things and talking at each other. What if you, like, went and sat on the bed next to her and just was, were interested in what she was doing and you weren't doing anything? And she took a pause and then she said, well, that sounds lonely. I said, bingo. There is the moment of divine because God calls us. He says, I love you, and now I'm asking you to lay down your life. You want to taste who Jesus is? It's stopping doing what you're doing and sitting next to the person and saying, well, what are you doing? Right? For her, that was the divine moment. That's leaping off the cliff. And she got a taste of what free fall is because free fall is lonely. Right? It's that when we're obedient, there's that moment of loneliness before we step in 